Welcome back to another episode of Don't Be So Dramatic. My name is Rachel and this is the podcast where I talk to different people in the entertainment industry to discover what their job involves and how they got there. For this week's episode, I have with me Danielle Beckman. Danielle is an American actress and filmmaker. She's currently based in LA. Her film, which she starred in and also produced, Liza Anonymous, has just been accepted into Tribeca Film Festival. Um, If you haven't heard of Tribeca before, it is a very prestigious film festival that was born out of New York. Um, It's Robert De Niro's uh, film festival that he started. So um, I very much enjoyed the advice and the information that Danielle has to give to our audience about filmmaking and I'm not gonna lie we also covered so much ground on so many other topics in this episode which I loved we talk about love we talk about her coaching as well um, and so many random life things I very much enjoyed having an international guest on again I'm loving these international episodes so if you feel so inclined and you do enjoy the podcast you can give us a rating on Apple podcast and without further ado let's jump in Danielle, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, all the way from America. I'm loving having these international guests and being able to Zoom you guys and do all that, like yay for technology. I know. Thank you so much for having me. This has already been a blast. We got to chat a little bit before. So I know I think it's so, although, you know, the last year has been really wild, with COVID and everything, I think that one thing it's done is it's brought people across like different countries together, which is crazy. Yeah, definitely. And I'll, I'll be honest, like before COVID happened, I was very hesitant to do interviews that were not in person because I was like, yeah. the audio quality is a bit meh. And Zoom really wasn't too much of a thing. Like it was more Skype that we were using. And so like the Skype audio is a bit shit. And right. um, then with COVID, I was like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And then it. we're all stuck at home. And so mm-hmm. we all spend all of our money on making the best choices with audio and lighting and all that. And same for, you know, acting with like self tapes and all that. Yes, exactly. Well, exactly but I mean, right. your setup looks amazing. So it's a it's a wall. So thank you. <laughs> Sponsored thank by you. or no? <laughs> Sponsored by oh, Australian by A wall behind you. What <laughs> mic do you have though? I have a um, B Ringer um, C1 condenser mic, which honestly, like. It's not the best in the industry, but they do the job. And I've had these for like three years now. So like, um, you know, when we, we were already international, so I don't know how much more we can expand as a podcast. But when that happens, when we go universal, um, maybe I'll upgrade to a new mic. When you you interview all of the aliens that are coming to earth, Yes. And you'll yes. get a new microphone. That'll I will. I will. That'll be the day. All the um, way to Mars too, even. Yeah. 
yeah, I hear that they're very um, creative there. They love a creative <laughs> person. Um, so, you know, I feel like that that's a, a market that I can really um, do well in. <laughs> yeah, they really love red. They love the mm. color red. They love mm-hmm. dirt. Mm-hmm. That's all mm-hmm. they got going right now. So they yeah. need microphones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's my that's my um plan. Um, so yeah, just so everyone knows before we start the <laughs> podcast, that was an important thing that we needed to get out. Uh, <laughs> and so that everyone can hold you accountable too. I know. How they know? Like Rachel, the aliens are here, and you're still using that microphone. <laughs> well, have you seen the alien stuff? I have. I have. Oh my gosh! Which, I um, I just I started to write a short a short um film script about aliens now because i'm like well it's gonna be super topical soon so let me just jump on this bandwagon right away i mean aliens have always been popular but i think it's gonna be a next level yes for anyone that doesn't know what we're referring to it's that the u.s government is basically like in the next month or so releasing documents that are like aliens like we've known about aliens and this is our information yeah they're declassifying a lot of things and there was a 60 minutes interview with um a few um government (laughs) pilots military pilots who Mm -hmm. are allowed to speak about certain things now so yeah yeah wild but i mean like anyway this is so (laughs) I did not expect the interview to go in this direction. Well, we can so turn quickly. it around at any we time. We can turn it around, I'm just guys. Really keep with us. We're here. Keep with us. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I feel like we're at a time in society where it's kind of like, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Because for us to be the only thing in the entire universe, that is more bizarre. That is right. It's very, it's very self-centered. Yeah, very self-centered. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's we we live, we all live in each of our own little individual universes as it is. So true. We're all the main character of our own story. So exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so um, I'm so happy to have you on. You're an actor and a filmmaker and also a coach as well that I've just yeah. found out. So we'll delve into that later. Um, and your film Liza Anonymous has just been accepted into Tribeca Film Festival, which for the Australians that don't know what Tribeca is, it's very prestigious film festival um, <laughs> that was born out of New York yeah. um, and is obviously an international film festival. Festival. I was trying to think of like which Australian festival it would kind of make sense to mm. like compare it with maybe like Sydney Film Festival or something like that um, which is probably our biggest film festival Sydney Film Festival I'm you know not what? too sure there was one that I actually applied to mm-hmm. in in Australia and hey, I got rejected. I'm just letting everyone know. Um, the film it, festivals oh, called, over here are tough. It's called Flickerfest. Flickerfest, yeah, yeah. So Flickerfest is also quite a prestigious one over here. So yeah, so we're that on... one rejected me, but then Tribeca, which is Robert De Niro's fi- film festival, yes. let me in. So <laughs> thanks, Robert. <laughs> <Bobby>. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah um, well thank you for explaining that you explained that very well oh you're welcome i i read the wikipedia if it's not evident to everyone um, <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna act like i knew all that information beforehand like obviously and you tribeca was a film festival but you of know course. you gotta you gotta read your bits and pieces so that you can go into an interview knowing the um intricacies that's um 101 of podcasting <laughs> It, it, no, it, it truly is. It truly mm. is. And for me, too, when I heard from Tribeca, because I heard from them a couple months before they ended up accepting the film. Mm. And in that interim time, you know, I was sort of pinching myself going, is this happening? I know they like me, but do they really like me? You know, and and I was Googling all the time and it, 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 I was Googling Tribeca, you know, how, how big of a deal is this? What does this actually mean? Oh, there's a plane. Do you hear the plane? I can hear the plane. It's um, some nice background. Okay, good. It's, it's as we'll if it we're living sure. real life. Okay, excellent, excellent. Um, but I, you know, I was Googling and and there are all these different, you know, filmmaking lists and things. And Tribeca constantly, like over my searches, consistently came up in the top five to 10 international film festivals. And yeah. I just kept pinching myself, like, is this, is this going to happen? Mm. And it did, because it's the first film that I ever made. And okay. so, yeah, I mean, I, I lived in New York for 13 years and I did so much theater during that time the last five years in new york i was skewed more toward um you know on camera commercials voiceovers and 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 movies but none that i made and and so the fact that this is like me first time filmmaker first time like big executive producer and i'm also the lead in the movie and for it to be recognized was just um is a huge huge honor and also validation like one of those little taps on your shoulder like hey keep going keep going yeah this yeah. business can be very very hard mm. so and anytime a um you know a situation and and rachel i'm sure you have stories rachel too but anytime a situation happens in the industry where you know it's just there's a discouraging moment or you know, someone, someone does something a little bit shady, you know, and hurts you. Uh, my husband and I have a saying where we just say, put it in the file, put it in the file. And it's like this, <laughs> this virtual filing cabinet of, you know, some pain and hurt and, and, or rejection or, you know, miscommunication. And I just put it in the file and I get to shut the file and just walk away and then keep going. Mm -hmm. And and the keep going moment when you keep persisting and then it comes to something like a festival like Tribeca is just really um, exciting and validating and refreshing and all, all the emotions. So. Yeah, of course. I thought when you said that you were going to say, put it in the fire. And um, <laughs> the Sagittarius in me was like, yes, burn it. Of course. Put it in the fire. <laughs> put it in the fire. Burn it. Goodbye. <laughs> Not relevant to me well, anymore. Listen, one, one day when that filing cabinet, when that file is put it in the file, when it is full, oh, I am going to take it and put it in the file. 
put in the fire. Yeah, yeah. I, I can probably I, do that at any moment. Like, or get the shredder <laughs> out and just, you know, symbolically shred all of those experiences. Yeah, just stand still for like a good 15 to 20 minutes staring off into space and your husband will be like, what are you doing? And you're like, shredding my I'm files. shredding. <laughs> <laughs> like, got it. Okay. 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 <laughs> this is the woman that I married. Um, oh yeah, and we have conversations like that a lot. Yeah. We are not strangers to strange and quirky behavior in this household, mm. which makes it more fun, you know. Oh, that's the best. The best. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I listened to a podcast yesterday. It was um, what's the that one audition with Alicia Oxy? Oh, I love she was... that. I love that podcast. Yeah, and she it was a rerun um, with Ben Lawson, who's obviously mm. Australian, and they were just discussing kind of how um, and just going back to your point of like, obviously Tribeca was a nice um, like a um, tick of approval for you, but um, something that I didn't realize that um, is a difference in our industries is that America will more tend to not say yes or no on you they'll give you a maybe because they don't want to be the person to say no to the next Mm. big thing but they also just kind of want to keep you there which I think from my experience in Australia we are a bit more like cutthroat yes or no um and I I actually like that better because I feel like that's more honoring by by not wasting someone's time but just, of course. By just saying, um, <laughs> it's a no for me. And it's like, whoa, that was intense. But at least I know now. Well, yeah, what, yeah. what scenarios are you are you speaking of? Like specifically with auditions? Um, I don't. That's a great question. I think um, just with a lot of different things, like one that comes to mind is getting an agent. Um, yes. Very much. They are like straight up most of the time, like, no. <laughs> right. It's I, not I like just went, a... I just went through that process. I had 20 meetings with agents and I yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Did you get the like, we really like you? Um mm-hmm. and yeah, like great to meet you. And you're like Is... And because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and a lot that's of the more time... of an American thing. I think so. I okay. definitely think so. With my experience of like um Oh, well, I can talk about this. I actually very recently dropped my agent, so I'm currently freelancing, and that's why that scenario is kind of relevant to me, although uh, I haven't been looking as of yet, but okay. just from past experiences. Yeah, the um, which is helpful to know a straight-out no, I guess. I can definitely see that, but it can also be disheartening of course. Um, at times because – Sometimes a maybe might be nice, but also you can't live off maybes, can you? Well, well, but also my question is, hold on, there's a dog barking. Can you hear it? I can a little bit, but my bird's going. So, like, I just feel like this is we a have very animals everywhere. yeah, guys, um, relatable. No, that's that's a great question. I I wonder if because I did get a lot of emails back. I did a huge mass mailing and Mm -hmm. I, uh, emailing, 
Um, and I got a lot of emails back in my search that said, you know, thank you, not right now. Yeah. Um, and I think that that might be a part of this, you know, American quality we're talking about. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I emailed people in January, which was the height of COVID-19 for like a second wave in Los Angeles. Mm. So that's another thing is that I know a lot that was a special scenario. Um, and then for, I did get a lot of no's. And I, and I, and I kind of was grateful for those because it was like, great next moving on, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's really, but I understand the rejection piece, but it really is sort of how you look at it. Like, it's like, okay, thank you. No, you helped me understand you are not the one for me, at least right now. So I'm going to keep mm-hmm. going, but yeah. How, how do you keep getting back up again? You know? So yeah, but it's great. Yeah. You're like a free agent right now. You're freelancing. So you yeah. have it, it all. I don't know. It's almost like there's, there's opportunity on the horizon, but like what move do you want to make next is, you know? Oh yeah. Do you know why I did it as well is because it was something that I was scared of being and, um, oh, you mean think- being with your agent? No, being fr- like freelancing. It was this oh. idea of like, oh, if I'm freelancing, then I don't have an agent and like, how can I work? And at the same time, I was like, you have things going on right now, like good things Isn't that means crazy? you're working. So why don't game. you just, yeah, the mind game. And so I thought, you know what? Fuck it. Like I am scared of this. So I'm going to freelance for a bit and just like actually find the agent that is like well suited to me and it doesn't mean that I have to like you know people do stay with their agent and they go out and search for a new agent and then they just transition which is totally fine and so yeah I just found that this scenario I was kind of like no I I want to I want to just like see what happens that well that's I think (laughs) I think that that's amazing. And I think so many times too, as actors, we forget that we have a lot that's in our control and we have the power and opportunity to present ourselves to people like casting and agents and stuff in the way we want. And I think um, an unfortunate thing that I see time and time again with actors is that they don't know how to package themselves or put Mm -hmm. themselves um, in the correct container. I'm not saying like, you know, it's really hard to feel like you're a commodity as an artist or to feel like, oh, I'm just a brand and boil it down to that because you're so much more than that. But how Mm -hmm. do you, um, you know, package all of that into a really succinct way and say, Hey, I'm freaking awesome. I've done a lot. I'm doing a lot. You want to get on the Danielle train. You want to get on the Rachel train. Um, you know, so my coach that I just worked with, his name is Brian Pataka. He helped me, um, do that. And I, I signed with my agent and manager back in early February. So Amazing. And here we are. And here we are. Um, (laughs) It's true. Like, if you want someone else to believe something about you, you first and foremost have to believe it yourself about you. Oh, wow. I feel like I just took a deep breath. (laughs) As 
as much as I do believe that I really need to hear that every day. And so you saying that felt really, really lovely to my soul, actually. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, thank you, Rachel. <laughs> we should get it tattooed on us. Let's get yes. matching tattoos of like maybe on our forearm so we can read it every yeah. morning. I'll that do it around really my, helpful. I have some freckles there and I'll get it like around my freckles. So cute. Like so cute. little moles. Yeah. Know. Just like little stars. (laughs) You know what? Okay, this is weird, totally off topic. But I had a friend that got freckles tattooed on her body. What? Like Like brown? Like up and down. So see, I have them like on my She got them tattooed like up and down specifically on her arms because she wanted like texture on her arms. Yeah. I have never heard of that. That is bizarre. Um, Could she not have just gone out in the sun a little bit? And but like, she doesn't freckle. Her skin is not that way. And so, yeah, it's just here. I, yeah. Anyway, fun fact, everyone. Well, also people are getting like tattooed lipstick and tattooed eyeliner. And- I know. I know. That's an interesting game to play, especially like, I just, I don't know if in 20 years time, you're going to want to do your eyeliner that way again, you know, it's <laughs> just like trends change. Maybe eyeliner is no longer a thing in 20 years because the aliens have redone makeup altogether. The aliens are like, guys, we've been watching you do this for a while. And let me tell you, it would look so much better if you were just doing it this way. And yeah. Maybe like, it's like laser oh. eyeliner now or something. Yeah. <laughs> wow the aliens are just on point they just know their stuff they've been doing this for centuries like guys they're the new we are so primitive compared to them I know we are I know we are they've been studying us laughing at us I know anyway I digress I'm so sorry anyways (laughs) (laughs) so I want to know um when you first kind of um because of I, I'm imagining that um, you were first interested in acting as a creative and then kind of moved into filmmaking, mm. um, which I think um, if it is something that people um, feel like they have the skills for as an actor, I think it is very important to be a slashy creative Absolutely. nowadays. Um, so when did you first kind of start producing and filmmaking as well? I love that question and I completely agree with you. Um, being a slasher is great, slashy slasher. Um, I I started producing, so yes, I, I grew up um, being on stage, um, acting, singing, dancing, did a lot of musical theater. Um, from the time I was like three years old, I was on stage. Um, but as far as producing, one of my first forays into producing was actually eighth grade where I played Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz and (laughs) I'm talking like this because she has a transatlantic accent I don't know (laughs) and I am and I am like it's a weird heightened thing but anyway she in eighth grade my drama teacher I was cast as Dorothy and my drama teacher was um was diabetic she was having like all these issues and she had three kids and she was pregnant and she was like a high-risk pregnancy. So there was so much going on and I was the lead in every scene. And so she basically gave me the production to kind of direct and produce. And I know it was a school of production, but but I was like, 
you got it. I'm ready for this. Like, <laughs> I am here. I am ready. And it just, it really worked out. Um, and, and people were like, Danielle, that was really impressive. And I thought, oh, okay. And then into, um, so it was the eighth grade. And then into high school, I was um, the head of drama club and I was in all the shows there. And so I was sort of always producing. And then when I got to college, um, there were all, there were many main stage productions at my college and not a lot of the underclassmen got cast in those productions. And so a good friend of mine, Lauren Chavez Myers, she lives down the street for me. She's one of my best friends. Um, and she's, she's an amazing actress and filmmaker as well. Uh, we produced and created this company called From the Ground Up. And it was all student written, student acted things. So underclassmen could be on stage and it's still going today. So we graduated about 13 years ago and it is wow. still going at our university, which is so exciting to see. Um, and so I, you know, I, I saw this trend happening. And then when I moved to New York, I started doing a lot of indie theater and things like that. And then a couple of my friends who were doing web series needed to fill in the gaps for certain things. And we're like, hey, Danielle, like we need a production manager on this. Can you come? And so I started to make call sheets and and work with casts. And so as far as the producing side, I've never been the um the person to get the financing. I've never been like the money bags lady. Um up until Liza Anonymous, I did procure the financing for, for this film. Um, but, but for these other productions, I just found I was really good at managing people, managing tasks, getting things done and making it happen, like really pushing it to the finish line. Uh, one of my favorite projects I worked on in New York is the, um, it was called The Future is Female theater festival. Yes. Wow. But hold on. <laughs> the future is female theater festival. And I co-produced it with um, my friends, Kate Garfield and Paco Lozano. And we raised all the money for um, this charity um, and this nonprofit for specifically for young black girls in coding and in um, computer science. And it was like a sold out house. We had all these fabulous actors and producing it, something like that I can do in my sleep now, um, you know, just coordinating people, getting people together. And, um, and so for filmmaking, it was something that I was always taught. We talk about like gatekeepers, right? We were talking about agents and managers um, or casting thinking like, you know, they're a gatekeeper or something in our minds. And in my mind, I was like, well, I can't, I can't make things unless I have money. I can't do things unless I have money. And someone gave me a thousand dollars and said, okay, I know this is not enough to make a movie, but let this symbolize a seed and go make something. And that just that $1,000 pushed me over the edge to say, okay, I'm doing this. And then I got another thousand dollars and then 4,000 came in and then I did some crowdfunding and then I had one big donor give more and then we had enough for the movie. And, um, and, and then it snowballed and then, and then it, we, it happened. It happened. 
Mm. And it's, I remember going to set on the first day of the film and I was about to get in, into the Uber with my, he was my boyfriend at the time, but my now husband. And I looked at him and I was like, I think I'm going to be sick. Why did I do this? Why did I raise all this money? Why are there 70 people on set for me? Is this project good? Am I good enough? Am I even, should I even be an actor? You know, <laughs> and, <laughs> and you have all these thoughts and he's like, you should, we, he's like, we, you know what? We can cancel the Uber right now. And I was like, no, I don't want to pay the cancel fee. He's like, okay, that's your answer. Okay. That means we're getting in, <laughs> we're getting in and you're going. And we did. And it was the best few days uh, on set I've ever had, actually. Um, but these, you know, so I guess, I guess very long winded answer to your question is that um, producing is something that has always come naturally to me. And I, I want to follow it more, you know, without that mindset of like, oh, well, these barriers are in the way, but instead going, okay, so these barriers are in the way and start poking holes at that going, how can I change that? What do I need? What's mm -hmm. next? Who can I talk to? You know, and just keep on pressing on. Um, and also for anyone listening to this podcast, I encourage them to do that too. Like be a skeptic in that area, sort of poke holes in when you get no's or you get roadblocks, poke holes in it. Be like, why? Yeah. What's, what's, what answer could happen? Who do I know that's already in my corner that could help me with this? You yeah, know, and definitely. I, keep the questions. yeah, I, I love that mindset. Um, it's definitely something that I need to hear as well all the time <laughs> is like, you know, um, looking at, okay, well, this thing, this idea of getting funding kind of seems a bit impossible but how can it be possible? How can I make it happen? Not the, I can't. Um, and I'd really love to ask you about the um, funding side of things and the crowdfunding, because I think it's something that does it like it gets kind of brushed over a little bit. And so filmmakers kind of can sometimes go about it in the wrong ways because they're just trying to work it out themselves. So with right. the, yeah, with the crowdfunding, what pieces of material did you have in order to make that crowdfunding thing, um, I guess, um, something that people wanted to invest in? And then how did you also get that kind of larger sum in the end mm -hmm. as well? Yeah, so the the in the past for a lot of the indie theater that I've done, I've used Indiegogo, I've used Kickstarter. And then with those sites, people feel like they, you know, they get a perk, they, they get something when they give. Um, what I did for Liza Anonymous was I went with The Field. I think they're purely an American organization. Okay. I'm not sure, um, but The Field is a fiscal sponsorship platform and so they give you a platform and they say you put all your money through us we're a 501c3 we will house it so that I didn't have to get you know my own nonprofit. it could be housed under them mm -hmm. and so I you know I did the whole thing of like so and so will match this much if you give this much and I did really um individualized outreach I did okay. shameless individualized outreach, text messages, Facebook messages, 
um, Instagram messages. And then of course I did some mass emails and posts, um, but it was really like, hey, over, you know, the message was something like, hey, I know over the years, you always have supported me in this way, or over the years, you've always let me know that I can count on you. Well, I'm leaning on my community now. And, you know, I'm in need because I believe in this movie and I want, and I think it should be made. Like, can I count on you for $5, you know, or whatever. Um, And, and also something I want to speak to as well is that for any scrappy or indie filmmakers listening, you can always make something with zero budget. You can, you really can. Yeah. And that is something that I am also contending with right now going, Oh, Danielle, just make a thing. You know, um, when I was in quarantine, my friend Matthew Solomon created this production company called Paper Rose Productions. And he did um, a creation and isolation project. And he, he paired up people all around the US. And we, I, I wrote a screenplay called Jane of All Trades. It had one actress in it. She did it in her apartment. Her boyfriend filmed the whole thing on an iPhone. So the director zoomed in. This was May of last year. So this was one year ago when, when COVID was at its height. Mm. Um, and and we, we made this thing and it's now this lovely little web series out, out there. And if someone goes, hey, can I see a sample of something you've written? I'm like, sure, I've done this thing, send it over. Um, and, and so I think that the money thing we can get hung up on um, but you can also just say, Hey, make the first step and, and, and make something. Um, but having said that too, something I'm working on is just meeting the meeting more people in the film industry of who people who have passion and also do have, um, money to throw around or money that they say, Hey, I read this script. I believe in it. Here you go. <laughs> Um, and, <laughs> and, and so, right. But with that, that's, that's where I'll go back to look at your phone book, so to speak, look at your, um, your circle. You, you, you probably already have someone who knows someone who's going to get you the thing. Yes. Um, you just have to, you just have to ask mm. and be bold in asking and like a yeah. really, interesting thing that I've been working through as a filmmaker right now which um, might help someone with their mindset is that um, where I don't ever know how much I'm allowed to say about things so sometimes I say too much about things Um, (laughs) on this podcast in particular uh, just on this podcast in (laughs) I don't know so I'll try and be like not too like vague but also I don't know how much I should say, um, yeah, be, be a little cryptic, but you know, guys, let's just say like, watch this space. (laughs) (laughs) Watch this space, everyone. Yeah. Did you hear that? (laughs) Go follow me on Instagram. Um, (laughs) No. Um, so I'm currently in pre-production for a pilot that I wrote and, um, 
it's uh, with the production company that I'm doing it with, we're um, about to go through securing funding for it. And we had this conversation and I think this is a really important conversation to have um, before you do this is that we said, okay, blank is the number that we would um, ideally be able to make a really great pilot with the whole pilot. So that's what we're going to aim for. However, if we get into the situation where we've been working at that for a while and that Mm -hmm. amount is not coming through, we could potentially um, produce a scene or two as a proof of concept for the pilot on this amount, which is like so much less than this amount. And that is an amount that I could just pull out of my bank account. You know, right. so there is also that I think sometimes people with filmmaking do get caught up in the I need to make it for this amount. And if that's not going to happen, I'm just going to work myself into the ground and potentially kill the project being too focused on that. So you need to be adaptable and have different things in place. And that's not to say like we're like, oh, we're never going to get that big amount. So we need to have a backup plan. It's not a backup plan. It's just a, maybe an extra step to get to the ultimate plan, you know? I, yes. And it's a way, like you said, to, to save the project. There's forward momentum. If you're mm-hmm. like, okay, here's our proof of concept. What do you think? You know, getting someone on board and sometimes financiers, I don't know <laughs> financiers um they they want you know a name attached to a project or or they you know they want the script to be about something they believe in and specifically with Liza Anonymous it covers you know um things of um like it, it covers things of addiction and mental health and Um, especially after COVID, the idea of wanting to fit in and belonging and how far would you go? And so if someone were to read the script and then they're passionate about it, then it becomes a passion project for them. Mm. So if someone were to see, if you only made one scene with the money you have, someone were to see it and go, this is totally the kind of thing I want my name on. Here's that extra 20 grand or whatever, you know? Mm. Yeah. You just don't know. Um, yeah, well, talking about Liza Anonymous then, um, something that, um, really struck me when watching the trailer, um, yes, I've seen the trailer and none of you can yet. Ha ha. The trailer is coming out on Monday. Okay. Hang, hang out for Monday. I felt so VIP just then. And now my (laughs) ego has been bruised. You are VIP. When I watched the trailer, um, what was really interesting to me is it kind of spoke to, obviously, Liza is a character who, can I... Can I reveal things? Sorry, I just, I just, yeah. really, I just. Yeah, no, you can talk and, about the character. Yeah. Okay, cool. So Liza is a character who is going to all of these kind of, um, well, they're not AA because it's not just Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's all of yeah, these just support addiction groups in general. support groups. Yeah, um, and it kind of, I was like, oh, this is cool because it kind of speaks to this min- millennial um, mm-hmm. social media generation of like oh, um, there is um, obviously an amazing kind of um, 
thing that we can use to get things out there but then some people who um, kind of go down the rabbit hole of using social media and platforms in a bad way it's like this attention seeking kind of millennial behavior um, that kind of comes out of the woodwork as well and that was something that I saw in this film that I really liked because oh it, my gosh um, it was like I you know I love comedy it's my it's my jam um, and too. so yeah. <laughs> um, it, yeah I really enjoyed that you can really pull out some darker themes in this film but it's very and like the color scheme of the film each meeting that she's going to is these different bright colors even if it's like the what was the one where she's got the the bandana and the hoop earrings is it like a drug drug thing that one is gamblers anonymous gamblers anonymous everyone there is dealing with um, yeah, not a drug addiction, but everyone there is dealing with a gambling addiction. Okay. And okay. and in that scene, um, actually, I, people will see it in the trailer. That's the one. That's the one that's sort of like a big reveal in the in the film. So I don't okay. want to talk about it that much, but you I do want to speak to what you said about the color schemes because. Mm. That was so intentional with our director Aubrey Smith. Mm-hmm. She is like the queen of like the cotton candy color um telling really telling a story and each group has its specific palette um and if you notice even the group members are all kind of dressed in they are similar palette like my favorite is in sexaholics some people are wearing leather lace you know like just kind of having fun with it my character's wearing fur and like a choker yeah (laughs) I think that like that's something as well in comedy that is a very useful tool because you know sometimes comedy and also like um, very much American comedy can be big whereas when you have these color schemes that are big and that pop you don't have to be as big and so you can play the nuances which is interesting. Oh absolutely well I think too so my friend Leah McKendrick wrote this script for me actually Mm. Um, and she right now is working on Grease the sequel Um, she's the writer for it's called Summer Lovin it's going to be coming out in the next year or so Mm -hmm. Um, so she is obviously really into like big um she she wrote a lot of musicals um right after we got out of college together and she also worked on um uh this new poison ivy short film and so she loves these sort of genre things so when she wrote this she said this is funny i want this to be funny but there i but there's also heart and nuance in it and Mm -hmm. so therefore aubrey just took the script of leah's script and said okay we're going to keep the nuance, but we're going to make everything that you see visually really big and mm. really, really fun and, and, you know, eye catching and like candy for your eyes. Um, and there's also, I can't wait till you actually see the full film because there are some big reveals in the ending. <laughs> I, yeah, the ending kind of is a little punch, a punch to the gut. So, mm. um, don't worry, I'll send that to you eventually. 
Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but but I think that yeah. So so I think that too in all of this, just back to what you were saying with the millennials, like Leah wrote this as like kind of a love letter to the outsider, you know, and to the person who is saying well, this is how I, you know, I woke up this way today and I'm feeling really crappy, but on TikTok, I'm going to show myself in yeah. this way. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. So, well, let's address that. Like, let's talk about that. What yeah. is, what does that mean? Um, but, but then like on top of that, the character of Liza, she gets such, um, she almost gets like her own high of, being someone else in these support groups where all mm. eyes are on her and she gets to tell whatever story falls out of her head yeah um, and yeah I don't know this is also a proof of concept too this is what we did yeah we made Amazing. this short speaking of proof of concept we made this yeah. as a proof of concept um mm -hmm. we don't exactly know where it's going but it's one of those things where I could easily see it um, as a series or yeah. something. Yeah. I want, you know, the character of Milton, who's like, you're a psychopath yeah. in the trailer. Yeah. I want them to like become roommates and become best friends <laughs> with like a love-hate relationship. Yeah, of course. I Hang on. I actually thought that they were roommates in the thing. So you there did? you go. Oh. So um, already <laughs> it can happen. But um, it's so funny, like something that really comes to mind when we're talking about this is like the whole Demi Lovato thing in the media at the moment, which is like her yeah. kind of jumping from one issue to another being like, I'm offended by this, or I am now revealing this about myself. And, mm. you know, I'm not saying one way or the other that it's true or not, but it kind of comes across as this like, the attention's on me again and like mm. um I love I love 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 that social media is a platform in which we can share things and it is so accessible for people to be like oh someone is going through what I'm going through and it's teaching yes. us to speak about hard topics however it also teaches people that they get attention sometimes when they right. speak about certain hot topics um which it's well, like a double-edged sword I guess of course well but also with someone like Demi Lovato you're and you're talking about their pronouns right um I was talking okay, about the yogurt shop I do not know about the yogurt shop oh my god you don't know about the yogurt shop I oh, don't. oh, oh okay let me just catch everyone up to speed. So <laughs> a few, I think it was about a month ago, Demi okay, Lovato. Okay, this was a month ago? Yeah. Been, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Demi Lovato went into a frozen yogurt shop and she saw that on the menu, the frozen yogurt shop had something called guilt-free options. Now these options mm. are tailored to people who are like celiac, um, diabetic, vegan, that sort of thing. So there's options that have no sugar, um, okay. obviously like non-dairy products, that sort of thing. She yeah. went to her social medias and went, I'm offended because how dare you make me feel bad for eating frozen yogurt that's just normal frozen yogurt. Your guilt-free options are making me feel bad and I have had an eating disorder, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And everyone yeah. went... Um, 
Demi, I think that you have read the situation wrong. And she basically still went on this tirade and was like, um, I, it ruined the rest of my weekend um, that oh, they goodness. did that, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think that they need to change that on their menu because they just don't know who's walking in there. And yeah, it was a whole thing that basically came off as her being very self-centered and trying to jump on a trend of calling out businesses for things and people like if you see something in a business that's not okay i.e like something that is outwardly racist or something like that Mm. definitely use your platform to say hey this is not okay but i you know (laughs) i wonder if demi in the moment spoke to the, the the yogurt shop owners I have no idea. Because because in my in my mind, if if I was that offended by something, I would say I would speak to them right then and there and say, yeah. Hey, I think you should change this language because it's actually making me feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Have you thought of that? Question mark. Yeah. But no, it's 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 very true. And it's and see, I thought you were talking about Demi coming out with the they them pronouns. Mm. Um but but i think that when when any of us now post something that is you know a hot topic or post you know i noticed that when i post photos of my face on the internet i get many more likes than if i post a sunset and so it's almost this like pavlov's dog of you hear the, like the dog hears the ding and the dog salivates, you know, Mm -hmm. that, that thing. It's like, we hear our phone ding. We go, Ooh, present. Um, (laughs) Um, you know, we get a like, we get a comment and, and it has trained us in a certain way. And so it is, it is true. It, it does make me wonder. Um, and it sounds though, like that was a really triggering moment for Demi. And so I, we here's something here's something that's just coming to mind i wonder if their publicists said ooh um say something about this on social media yeah so, you know we don't know what's at play we don't in the background we don't we don't but and I, the um... ice cream the ice cream person could have been really rude you know like we actually don't know the full story but i think it is something really interesting to examine to go okay that and bringing it back to the film totally on accident but to (laughs) say okay wow this person is going to really far lengths to be noticed or to feel love or feel belonging or accepted or be seen yeah and so in a way the character of Liza is very much like Demi in this moment go and going to big lengths you know like you didn't have to do all that, yeah. friend, but yeah. you did, you yeah. know, like, <laughs> ooh, okay. And I think I, this is just another thought that came into my mind is, you know, for us as actors and performers, as we get bigger jobs, as we get more prestigious roles and and work with bigger people and get more in the spotlight, um, it is something to think about, right? Like, how, how do I want to use my platform? Mm. Um, and what is important to me. And so what that tells me is at that moment, that's what was the most important thing to Demi. And she decided to share with everyone. I don't know why. 
I freaking am obsessed with her voice. I'm sorry, with their voice. Um, and, and obsessed with their music, but I don't know. Yes. The answer is I don't know. Cause I don't, I don't know them. I don't know them personally. Exactly. And I think I encourage like, don't take my word for it. Go and watch. She did videos on it on her socials. So just like right. go, go, and, go and have a look for yourself and make up your mind. Um. But, but, <laughs> but it's, but it's true. It's like we, and when, and when you are that level of fame. Yeah. I one, mean, one wrong step and it's kind oh, of, yeah. Yeah. And everyone and it, sees it. it. So Scarlett Johansson recently was asked about like um, her political views and and why she doesn't speak out more. And she was like, hey, I'm an actor. Like I'm an actor, I'm a storyteller and I don't think I need to speak on this kind of thing. Love it. And I thought that was fascinating, especially because her husband is Colin Jost and he is on Saturday Night Live and, you know, he does the weekend update segment for them. Yeah. And so I just thought that that was really interesting. And so someone like Scarlett Johansson is like not on any social media. She's not, you know, doing. So everyone goes about it um, in a in a different way. Yeah. Um, but I I know that if and when my platform gets bigger, like I'm definitely using it to speak out against things like racism, white supremacy, mass incarceration, like all the things, especially that are high tension specifically in America right now. Yeah. Those that's, that's definitely, um, a big thing that I am passionate about. So, Hey, to any producers listening, if you want to cast <laughs> the next big film, that's how I'm going to use my platform. Thanks exactly. So exactly. <laughs> and, it, and it's obviously things that you would be learned in and not just kind of like, Oh, so and so shared this, so I should do it because we're we're famous yes. actors, and that's what famous actors do. It's like, no, no, right. what what makes you you, and what are the things that you feel passionate about and know about? That's the important thing. That is so important, and also knowing within that, like whatever. Now we're on to activism, but you know, whatever piece of um quote unquote activism that you're in, whether, you know, it's, it's, um, certain charities or, you know, the AAPI community, or like I said, mass incarceration, or, um, you know, in America, making sure that the voter suppression is gone, that everyone has the right to vote, like all these different things. Um, I think that being, um, being educated on it and spending the time, like you said, is so important. I also had another thought and it literally just left me. <laughs> so that is okay. Yeah. Oh, I know. I remember. Yeah. I remember. I was just going to say that it um that it takes a village and everyone's different. So whatever lane you want to run in for what you're passionate about, that's amazing. Like mm-hmm. some people are going to be making phone calls and sitting at home. Others are just going to be able to donate and give their money. Money. Others are going to be learning and teaching classes and reading. Everyone can do something different, but if there is something that you feel really passionate about, um, just start with one thing. You don't have to do it all, which I yes. think is yes. so relieving. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, I completely can't be agree everywhere. with that. Yes. <laughs> 
Um, I want to ask with Liza Anonymous, was your intention when you looked at the script originally and were thinking, well, obviously, because the script was written for you, um, was it an intention to enter it into festivals or, or were you kind of like, okay, we're going to make this and then we'll see? Um, what was your intention with it? It's it, it, At first, it was going to be, um, like I said, a concept short. So I said, okay, we're going to make this and then maybe we can um, shop it around or pitch it or whatever. And then COVID happened. So we, we filmed this November 2019, just about four months, I guess. Yeah, four months before the lockdown of the world in March. Um, and we just said, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna hold on to it for the moment. And we had post-production all throughout 2020. And then that's when all the festivals, we said, okay, we're just gonna start submitting and see what happens. So, you know, COVID-19 really threw a lot of things off. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, but didn't throw anything off, it happened the way it was supposed to. And it was really great to still get to work on the film in quarantine to say, I have this thing, I'm working on it. And I'm looking at the same four walls of my apartment every day, but I'm able to stay calm and centered working on a project, which was very helpful. Mm. I also, um, my husband and I got married almost a year ago too, which was in the middle of quarantine as well. So that was another big project I had. Um, but we got married alone. <laughs> a big no project. There. <laughs> oh, really? You got married yeah, alone? We, Yeah, so my husband and I have a production company called Brooklyn Quarter, which was one of the co-producers on Mm -hmm. Liza. Um, And we live streamed our wedding on Twitch, which is a video game streaming platform. On our Brooklyn Quarter Twitch channel, we live streamed it. And it was just the two of us and our officiant. And that was it. That's so cute. What does your husband do in the creative industry? Yeah, well, so on Liza Anonymous, he was actually the script supervisor. And that was a really fun, that was really fun for him. Um, Mm. He loved loved being on set, Um, but he has worked in media. He went to um, UNC um, for, and he got his degree in uh, media journalism. Um, And so he has worked for a media media company for the last 13 years, but he does, um, he's a studio manager there. So he does editing, um, he does videography, and then, a big passion of his is that we've been doing is one of our live stream shows. Um, it was called Carol Guardians because we lived in Carol Gardens, Brooklyn, and we live streamed Dungeons and Dragons. Oh so my we God. played the game, <laughs> mm. but it, but I don't know. It, do you know about D and D at all? I like I know the concept of it and what it is. I've never played it, so the intricacies okay. um, yeah. are lost on me. But I know well, what it's it is. Like, yeah, and we we call it a tabletop web series where you sit around a table and it's it is a game, but it's very much devised improvised theater in a way. Yeah, and so yeah. Timothy was our game master of that, and he right now he's written hundreds of pages of this whole um, fictional world that we've all gotten to devise together, and he's created something that I think is really original not cliche at all, which I'm like, I, you know, when you read something and you're like, oh, I've heard this trope a thousand times. Yeah. Like, of course, you know, but I actually read his material and I'm like, 
whoa where what how did who is this character this is really freaking cool you know Mm. and so um right now we're gearing up for our new show which the name has not been announced yet um but it's not happening in carol gardens brooklyn anymore it'll Mm -hmm. be in los angeles um and so he will be the game master of our new show coming up our new tabletop web series and so that um that'll be on the brooklyn quarter channel too um and now that it's safer people are getting vaccines we can all be in a room because we're all in a room together once a week we'd have the show um and we did 100 episodes so we just week after week we did it and yeah so all aspects of media are um, are what my husband is into. And it's so wonderful for me because when I have myself tapes, we have really great lighting and camera. (laughs) He reads the audition with me off camera and, you know, he's a good actor. He's, he's not a quote unquote actor, but he's a good actor. So I get, you know, great results. And I'm just really, really grateful that, um, where he, he understands what it is to be an actor in the business. Like, and respects what I do, which is amazing. It's super important in a in a romantic relationship to have that. And I think that yeah. um like I don't think people realize how many people in our industry don't have that in their partnership. Like my my mm. boyfriend is a musician. And oh, so really? I like I love that because we both have such a respect and this like the same drive for Yes our um different creative things which is so helpful for like future pacing where like I'm sure if you were dating like I'm dating married to (laughs) (laughs) yes and dating um you never stop you can be married and dating at the same time yeah yeah we're just seeing each other like yes you put a ring on it but we're seeing each other like just like you know we're keeping it easy breezy Um, keep it fresh yeah it's fun fun. you gotta go on dates with your husband exactly it's (laughs) like I've um you know I've been in relationships where it's been someone who's not in the industry and I'm not saying at all that you have to date people in a, in the creative industry, but I'm sure mm-hmm. for you, like you've just moved from New York to LA. Whereas if you yeah. were dating an accountant or married to an accountant, they're like, um, that move doesn't make sense for me. I can't just up and leave my nine to five job because you're yeah. an actor and you want to go to LA. Whereas yep. when you... Like what I always find with my boyfriend is that we're both so open to like, if we end up overseas, great. Like we can both make that work for our careers and are both thinking bigger in that sense for our lives, which really, really helps. Um, I love that. And well, you know what else I'll say though too, Rachel, is mm. that there, that what you just said also sounds like a mindset thing to me. Yes. Yeah. So it's, what's interesting is that you said the thing about the nine to five job and my husband actually does still have a nine to five job. They just Mm. let him move cross country, but he was so on board with the move for many reasons. You know, um, we moved in, we moved in November of 2020. Um, but I think, I think too, it comes to that mindset. So it's like, okay, if you know you're creative and you're dating an accountant, is that accountant also a part-time basis 
on weeknights with his friend's band, you know, yeah. or like, yeah, yeah. is he like, and is the vision there for whatever? And so, so, but you bring up such an interesting point because it's like, okay, what, what do I value? And mm. if you value creativity, you're really going to want your partner to value that too. For yeah. Sure. Or on the, I love on, that though. I love that you guys are so like open and, and adventurous and, you know, willing to say like, okay, we're gonna, we can make things work. And I think that's really awesome. Yeah. And I think I, like, I completely agree with the, the valuing like that is something like the spontaneity and being able to be adaptable to ever-changing careers is something that we both value. Yeah. And, you know, there are people that value, um, routine and being like I want (laughs) and certainty and being settled in one place and Mm -hmm. I'm like I'm not trying to say that as like the negative to this situation because it's not not at all but that's like something that that person values and I think if they were to date me they'd be like, oh, this is, this is oh, a lot. Like, you, like you know, how, do we, how do we just, <laughs> yeah, let's, can we just like be certain of our future, you know? And yeah. I'm like, no. Can we just go out for a second? <laughs> yeah. Well, but it makes me think of the sound of music where it's like, how do we solve a problem like Maria? How do you catch a cloud and pin her down? Mm. I don't know. Do you know that song? Yes, of course. Oh my God. Of course. Of course. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. oh, that film, Julie. Um, <laughs> the, the, you know what, though? I do have a funny anecdote. When I started dating my, my husband, my boyfriend at the time, we sort of off and on dated for the first six months very dramatic, very exciting. And, um, (laughs) and he, one of the times we, we were not officially quote unquote dating, but you know, we were chatting. He came to see me in a reading. I was the lead in a play in this reading at the actor's studio. And I, I love that play. It was called bad daughter by this playwright, Julie Weinberg. And I played a character who was sort of one way with her family and then one way with her girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So she was like kind of showing multiple sides. Um, I think very that's similar big... to Liza. Yeah, I think it's a theme in roles I play. I'm like, yeah. um, but in that moment, Timothy, my husband, he, he said he came, he watched me on stage and we left and, and, you know, I think got a drink somewhere. Um, and then years later, you know, he told me, he was like, Hey, you know, when I knew I could really, really date you. And I was like, no, when? And he said, <laughs> it, was, it was when I saw you first act on stage. Mm. And he said, it's because I knew, okay, this, this girl is really into acting. She's into theater. She wants to be an actor. I don't know if I can fully get behind that unless I can believe in her, Mm. unless I think that she has what it takes to be an actor in this industry. And so he saw me perform. I guess I did a good job (laughs) because he said, I knew I could get behind you in that moment because I believed your performance. It Mm. was genuine. And I was, I was taken aback by how you embodied the character and I believed you and I I wanted I wanted to date you after that because I knew I could say yes this this girl should get the job yes 
and and so it was like a little test. I had no idea. It was the most and... important audition you did. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was the biggest audition of my life. And I didn't even know. So if I ever go on that one audition with Alicia Oxy, I know exactly that what to will talk be about. the one. That is my one audition. <laughs> I mean, she talks about a bunch of other stuff, I know. But yeah. um, but anyway, yeah. So I told that story to my manager too, and she was like, Well, honey. That's a good sign, you know, because she, she <laughs> loves her husband. She and her husband have a great relationship. So <laughs> that's so funny. I anyway, love, love, love. <laughs> we love, love. I love that little love tangent we had. That was yeah, good. I love it. Um, well, I want to, um, before we go, I do want to talk yeah. about your coaching and whatnot and find out about yeah. that. So, um, what, when did you kind of decide that, okay, um, like I'm doing all the, of these things, coaching is something that I want to get into. And I guess, what is your method of coaching? What are you teaching? I'm guessing yeah. other actors. Well, yes. So back in New York, one of my um, side hustles was I created a company called Clinch the Callback. And that was specifically for coaching actors. And I helped people with their Broadway tour auditions or their, their guest stars, their co-stars, film and TV, um, even just working on monologues. Oh, and grad schools as well. So many grad school auditions. And I was helping actors book work and they would, every session, they would leave more confident when, than when they got there. And that was the goal. And then clinch the callback sort of, um, they, I, I was going really strong with that for about three years and then other things came to the forefront and, and I, I kind of put that business on hold. And then in 2020, COVID happened and I was just, you know, mulling over, okay, how do I want to bring coaching back in my orbit as a way to simultaneously help actors make money while I'm also acting. And, um, the three years before I started the spirited storyteller, my company, mm-hmm. I, um, was assisting this coach named Nicole Rogers. Her company is called Zen Red NYC. And she has these 10 month chunk programs called the fearless Academy for artists. And I have been her head coach. So I sort of really started to cut my teeth in the empowerment coaching space. So like holistic coaching of artists from, you know, anything from limiting beliefs and like mm-hmm. working, working on negative self-talk and yeah. really coaching deep down, like digging into the heart on top of marketing and, and emails and websites and your tagline and, you know, all these things that, that Nicole led these, these artists through in that 10 month period. And I really was a sponge getting to learn from her and then also leading the program. So during that time, I had a bunch of clients and I, I really learned a lot and coached a lot. And I was like, man, I love this. And also the feedback I'm getting is that I'm good at it. So I decided to start the spirited storyteller and the spirited storyteller is you. That's who it is. <laughs> Anyone who joins my things, I say, I'm, you're the spirited storyteller. You are here as a creator, you know, I don't care if you're an actor or not, like you're, you're telling something with how you live your life. You're telling a story. And so now I, um, with, with the spirited storyteller, I have one-on-one coaching that I do 
for, um, I just worked with a, an amazing fashion designer and lifestyle brand. Um, uh, she's a female uh, run company and I just, she's one of my first clients. And now I'm working with a voiceover artist. And then I have monthly gatherings called the Refresh Gathering. And once a month we get together online and cover many different topics from like self-care to quarantine fatigue. That was the first one. We're not there so much anymore. We're starting to come out of it. But the most recent one I talked about consistency and how to stay consistent in the ups and downs of your artistic career. Um, so the Spirited Storyteller is essentially to get artists and creatives unstuck so that they can move forward with their first love, which is creating and storytelling. Mm -hmm. So how, you know, how can I help you as a coach with accountability? Okay. You're not sending that email to that person. Why not? Let's draft the email and click send like really. And also, you know, goals and organically reaching out to people in your orbit. Like some of the things I was talking about at the beginning of this call, you know, if you want to raise money, I, I, as a coach can help you, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so it's really like this big picture sort of umbrella coaching, but the spirited storyteller.com has hopefully all the information you need <laughs> to find out more, <laughs> but I really, plug. <laughs> you know, I mean, but it's, but it's true. You know, it's like, I could talk about it till the cows come home, but I really have, um, have have a passion for it and I love to see people walking in their like their purpose and their artistic fulfillment I just it makes me so happy so so yeah that's kind of the gist the gist of it but I would love Rachel for you to come to one of my refresh gatherings stop it oh my god yes I accept (laughs) okay Okay, well actually oh no I don't know what time you know what I need to do I need to I'll I'll stay up I need to have multiple no no no, but I need to have multiple because I have another I have a person who is um a potential client who uh we became Instagram friends and I think she's in um, I think she's in Melbourne yeah. and she can never come because it's like 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll be there at 3 a.m., but I will also not put on makeup for it and be right. like, this is my dressing gown. <laughs> right. Well, no, I, I think it's actually, it's a, it's a really good point as we're talking, you know, as you, as your business grows and you start to scale and you go, Ooh, I want to reach more people. Maybe I should do two in one day for different time zones like you know you start to scale and think about those things so yeah well the one thing about that and I know that some people might think that I sound like a broken record saying this but it is one thing that I am very 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 interested in um as an actor and a creative is the idea of limiting beliefs and unpacking them and then you know um, moving, moving past them. And I think that's something that it's such a big thing for my career that has been a game changer, like an absolute game changer to be able to identify the, the very like crux of the like multitude of anxieties that you're feeling Mm -hmm. about something. Like as an example, you know, you're going like, Oh, I'm, I'm nervous to go to this audition and you go, okay, why am I nervous? Um, Okay. It's because I don't think that I will get the role. 
I don't think this casting director likes me. Um, I, I don't think I'm good enough. I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. Like it just yeah. kind of snowballs. And then you get to the very bottom, which usually yeah. they're like usually three core limiting points yes. for everyone. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not lovable. I'm not worthy. I'm not enough. Exactly. And, and it all, yeah, it all goes back to that. And then it's also like your inner child going mm-hmm. like, Hey, you're okay right now. Mm-hmm. You're, you're able to walk into that audition, whether you book it or not, and you're going to have a blast and you're okay. Yeah. But I yeah. think what we forget is that we, as you know, I don't know how old you are, but you know, we're both 21. And so us as 21 year olds have all the experiences from I'm labeling myself 21. I'm not. 21. Thank you for labeling me as 21 as well. Yes, we're <laughs> we just were able to drink. And um, no, but as as you know, if for this is for any 21 year olds, like you are all the ages that you've been up until this point. All yeah. of that lives within you, and yeah. so I think that that's so important and beautifully said. The way you were like you you traced back to that from that audition to what is actually going on like yeah. wow yeah and it's something that i didn't really kind of discover until i was about i'm <laughs> i'm completely revealing that i'm not 21 here but like <laughs> ha- like halfway through my 20s when i was around 25 26 ish okay. was when i started to kind of um see this work and be like oh that's that's an interesting thing and so like I just I always think I know for Australia I'm not too sure um much about the American industry but it's always that people really want to make it in their 20s here and want to know everything when they're in their early 20s yeah and so to not if like someone's listening to this and is like, I don't know, 30 something. And they're like, I've never looked at my limiting beliefs. That's okay. (laughs) Like, you know, it's totally fine. And it's okay to be at whatever age and to discover this work and be like, why haven't I been doing this previously? Because it's very, very helpful in every aspect of your life as well. So absolutely. And along with that too, a big, um, I'm a big proponent for nonviolent communication, which is um, (laughs) Marshall Rosenberg wrote the book and um, Tom Bond is the teacher of it in the States. And I think also internationally, have you heard of NVC? I haven't, but I just love the concept of it. Like I know about the concept. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And so the idea of like your feelings and your needs and pinpointing those and meeting strategies, like creating strategies to meet those needs in your life and the awareness. Mm-hmm. I think awareness is key. And, you know, even it's, it's really interesting too, when approaching acting, right. And a character like, okay. You know, I, I realized in the pandemic, I was getting like restless. So I, I had my feelings and needs sheet and I looked at it. I'm like, okay, I am feeling restless frustrated, you know, I could keep going down the list. What is my need? And I flip the sheet over and it has my needs on it. And I had a need for beauty. And I was like, whoa, I have a need for beauty. I didn't know that was something that I could have a need for. Yeah. And then I, I went, I put on my mask and I took a walk up to Prospect Park in Brooklyn, not far from where I lived. And I just got my beauty. I got, I saw flowers. I saw birds. I was outside. It was like, 
wow, okay, um, my cup is filled now. I'm not as restless. I'm not as anxious. And so in the same way, when approaching characters, it's like, well, well, what, what does this character have in this scene? Mm. What is their need? Like, why are they feeling X, Y, Z? You look at Liza and Liza Anonymous and go, wow, she has some real core limiting beliefs. She does not believe she is worthy or lovable. Mm. She does not believe she is enough at all because she's creating these personas to come up. And so then it just makes it so relatable when you go to play the character because you go, oh, I felt that. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. So universal. Yeah, definitely. And to realize that like the outer world of yours is a reflection of what's going on inside. And so rather than to feel the fear and feel the frustration and those kind of, you know, not so nice emotions that come with being a human, to be able to rather than point the finger outwardly to kind of point it back inwardly Mm. and be like, okay, what's going on with me? And to like circle it back again to love, um, it's super helpful in romantic Ah. relationships because you're not constantly pointing the finger at your romantic partner. You're pointing it in at yourself and going, why am I mad about this? Why am I scared about this situation? Like what is going on with me? That's like, it's such a game changer. <laughs> so good, Rachel. That's so good. I feel like this podcast wow, this is not only it's been a it's been a moment. <laughs> <sighs> and the, yes. wait, this podcast is called "Don't Be So Dramatic." Correct. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we have been many things today. We've been we've not only been dramatic. We've also (laughs) been a multitude of other things. (laughs) I love it. It's been a blast. Yes. Well, thank you so much for for coming on. And I know it's kind of late for you and it's like midday for me now, but I really appreciate it. Um, Once the trailer is out for Liza Anonymous, I can link it below. Um, I can edit the bio for the podcast and pop it down. So if people are listening like a little, a little into the future, they can go and have a look at it. But um, is there anything that you want to plug before we wrap up? Oh, thank you for asking. I think that um, I would just love everyone, if possible, to check out LizaAnonymousFilm.com. Um, we're going to be posting there how you can watch the film virtually because Tribeca is in person. Um, they're having outdoor screenings in person. Um, but then uh, I would love for you to head to the Tribeca site and get a virtual pass so you can see it. I would love to know what you think. And we're in the New York, New York short section. So we're like the New York made segment. Um, and yeah, I would like to plug get vaccinated if you can. I think that's I'm like booked in. and um and be safe and wear a mask if you want to protect people and yourself and um and be kind yeah and if anyone wants to follow me they can find me on instagram at dbeck d-e-e-b-e-c-k and also liza anonymous film is on instagram as well 
Amazing. Well, I will link that all below as well. Um, so it's <laughs> easily accessible for people to just click Excellent. on. Oh, and the yeah. Spirited Storyteller too, just in case. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Link that yeah. as well. Well, Danielle, thank you so much for joining me and I will chat to you soon. Thank you so much, Rachel. Bye, everyone.